on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. The first time I performed that I can recall for people outside of my immediate family would have been show and tell in kindergarten. And I actually remember the person going before me, a little girl bringing in her Barbie doll and me going off to the back of the room to get my stuff ready because I was on deck, so to speak, mm-hmm. and like being nervous, having that feeling of like, oh no, I'm up next and I have to do this. And I... Yeah, I vanished a ball from inside of a little vase, which is still a, a classic sold in almost every magic kit that you can find. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 150 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to thank my guest from the last episode, Vincent John from the Bronx Wanderers. Vincent and I had a frank, no-holds-barred, unfiltered discussion about the state of entertainment in Las Vegas. We went deep into what's behind all the changes happening in the city right now, how entertainers are dealing with those changes, the effect of sports on entertainment, and much more. If you haven't listened yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com and check out episode number 149, Evolution, the ever-changing world of Vegas entertainment, or find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. After becoming the first ever magician to win America's Got Talent back in 2014, Matt Franco hit the Vegas Strip with his show Magic Reinvented Nightly at The Link, where he's been performing for almost eight years. On my last trip to Las Vegas, I had the chance to sit down backstage with Matt for a conversation. We talked about what got him started in magic and the support his family gave him to move forward, his experience on America's Got Talent and what inspired him to try out for the show, some of the charity work he does in Las Vegas, and much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Matt Franco. I was four years old when my family was watching some sort of magic show on TV, and and it wasn't just a standard one. It was one that featured like different types of magicians and different types of magic, and that was when I was hooked from that point forward. Do you uh, do you remember who your inspirations were? I do, yeah. I do. They were always not the ones that were the most mainstream or commercial, uh-huh. but the ones that had something really special about them. Uh-huh. So one example would be Jeff McBride. And Jeff McBride is a guy who performed at that time in the 90s uh, that I had seen him only in masks. And, okay. and when the masks came off, his face was painted. I mean, this wow. was an exotic, very serious theatrical act. Mm-hmm. And, and then in contrast to that, another big influ- um, influence for me was a guy named Bill Malone, who is a sleight-of-hand artist who everything that came out of his mouth was a one-liner and poking fun at the audience and just everything was humorous and fun. So two examples of very extremely different influences, but mm-hmm. equally unique and important influences. And so do you remember the very first illusion that you ever did? For people outside of my family? Or or people inside your family, too. <laughs> well, if you're talking just at the house, my dad showed me how to take my thumb off 
Right. We all know how to do that, right? <laughs> right. You can do that? Yeah, yeah. All right. And, yeah. It, and you can say that you can because no one can see us Exa- right now. Exactly. For I could, all they know. Yeah. I, I, could, I could be making elephants appear in this room right now. You could be too. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're in the back. Yeah. You just can't hear them. They're just out of the mic's range. Um, but the first time I performed that I can recall for people outside of my immediate family would have been show and tell mm-hmm. in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember... The person going before me, a little girl bringing in her Barbie doll, and me going off to the back of the room to get my stuff ready because I was on deck, so to mm-hmm. speak, and like being nervous, having that feeling of like, oh no, I'm up next and I have to do this. And I, yeah, I, I vanished a ball from inside of a little vase, which is still a, a classic sold in almost every magic kit that you can find. And did you just blow the minds of your classmates and teachers? We can go with that because no no one was there. I don't think. Hopefully, I don't know if any of my classmates are listening to this from then. Maybe. No, I think so. It's it's. Uh, I did the best I could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned in your show. You talk about it in the show that family is extremely important to you. Yes. Um, your your grandmother mm-hmm. is. You mentioned a, a huge inspiration for you. Sure. And was one of the ones that really really pushed you to continue with magic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, w- it was really everyone in the family. Um, if you think about it, uh, my parents in particular, even how scary it might feel as a parent for your son to say, I'm going to go into this or that. And that's like not the normal track or plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just be fully supportive of it. I would think there would be some fear in that, especially with like a niche odd interest like magic right right so i'm just so thankful that they were strong enough and believed in me enough to be like of course you can go ahead and do that and like took me to magic conventions and drove me to shows because i was doing those before i could drive right and took me to the closest magic shop which was a state away Mm -hmm. um we took a bus to get there like that's it's just kind of crazy to me um having just become a parent myself two months ago literally it's crazy to think like you have no idea what your children's interests are going to be but i i'm very much for supporting whatever they are Mm -hmm. as opposed to thinking like oh i want them to do this or i hope they're into that i'm excited to see because no one could have guessed if you gave them a hundred guesses and said we'll give you a million dollars if you can guess what what matt's gonna do yeah they never would have guessed magician Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so i'm just so thankful that they didn't poo-poo it if you will and and not a showbiz family like at all your what what are what are your parents and your brothers do um well one brother is a contractor okay and the other one now works here at the show okay um he generally just has sort of an entrepreneurial spirit so it's not that magic or showbiz was his initial background either right um and my folks couldn't be for you know my mom was a bookkeeper for my company uh, for a company not my company for a company <laughs> um and my dad was production managing that company but when i say production manage i don't mean production manage like showbiz production right. manage <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah the opposite of a show mom mm-hmm is is what I had. But I wanted one at the time. I was like, Mom, come on, can you get me an agent? You know, look in the yellow pages. <laughs> That's how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and is, uh, is Grandma still your biggest fan? Yeah, yeah. So she's 94 and still with us and uh, still is very sharp mm-hmm. 
and uh, very supportive and always looking forward to any photos or video clips or, or that you know I send her that I'm working on or TV things that she can watch from home. Uh, she she loves that. Do you try out new material for grandma? Like do yeah. you send her videos and go like, what do you think? Like, is this work? Is this good? Is this bad? What can I yeah. do differently? Es- especially in person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> rather than asking for direct feedback, I usually, I do the same thing I do for a live audience. I listen. Mm-hmm. Rather than ask pointed questions and, you know, I, I usually just try to listen to, or to watch to see what the reactions are and mm-hmm. kind of do it that way. Tell me about America's Got Talent. I mean, this this was what really launched you. I mean, you were working professionally, obviously, before that, mm-hmm. but this is what really launched you into where you're at now. What Big was time. it that, that prompted you to go out and do America's Got Talent? I was hoping to get footage of me performing on TV, which right. I had none of. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, this would be great. I can say, as seen on America's Got Talent. I never expected to get voted through to the next round <laughs> or the one after that or the one after that or the one after that. Right. So ne- winning it wasn't in my radar. I was just hoping to get some footage. Um, it was kind of funny. I was really pragmatic about it. I was excited to get voted through. Yeah. But as you mentioned, I was performing professionally at the time. Mm-hmm. So every time I got voted through, I had to cancel shows <laughs> to be at the dress rehearsal, right. to be at the show. The show, And as a contestant on any show, you can't get paid. That's, a, you know, you right. can't. It's a rule. Right. <laughs> so I would have to cancel shows. And now I'm thinking like, okay, this is great to get voted through, but I'm thinking about bills I have to pay and shows I'm canceling <laughs> to the point where... Even after winning the show, I was like, oh, this is good. I can get back to work, start making some of this money back. I don't think it was till the next day I woke up realizing, okay, I can get back to work. Wait a minute. I just won a million dollars. It didn't even occur to me at that point because it so wasn't even on my radar because yeah. to me it wasn't even, uh, you know, something winning wasn't an option. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think that was a possibility for a magician to do even, never mind me. Yeah, it, it it was almost an inconvenience for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was literally doing the live shows at Radio City Music Hall and leaving the next day to go back on the road and do my, my tour dates that were already contracted at colleges. And then I'd have to race back, cancel a show for the, the dress rehearsal and the real thing, and then, you know, go back on the road again. So, yeah, it was a, a grueling time, but it worked out well. Yes. Now that I look back, it was really silly for me to, to you know, be so laser focused on meeting all those contracts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and I mean, when you're on a show like that, you're not, obviously, you're not just competing against other magicians. You're right. competing against every kind of talent ever. How, how difficult was that or how challenging was that to try to be able to stand out? It's super intimidating, you know, and that's one of America's Got Talent's claims to fame. It's any age, any talent. Mm-hmm. So... It, you could be competing against animal acts. And I was, I mean, and who wants to compete against an adorable animal act? It's seemingly impossible. Right. Um, They must've counted the votes wrong because the animals definitely (laughs) had to have actually won. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. But the cool thing is, uh, you know, I also made a lot of friends along the way, Mm -hmm. other amazing acts that were there Mm -hmm. uh, on the show competing. And as well as the amazing people that produce the show, uh, made a lot of friends along the way. So really nothing but love for my America's Got Talent family all around, uh, even here eight years later, you know? And AGT is really what, what brought you to Vegas. And I mean, you, yes. you grew up watching 
Penn and Teller and David Copperfield mm-hmm. and Matt King and yes. being fans of those guys. How mind blowing is it now? You are in this city with your face on billboards and buses and cabs and you've got a theater named after you. How mind blowing is it to be here performing in the same city as Penn and Teller and David Copperfield and Matt King? It's really surreal and hard to put into words. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where I just I can't quite get used to it or understand it. I'm just thankful for the opportunity, but like I still don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> it it still is like a pinch me moment for me uh to to be here doing it. I mean it, it really just I, I feels like I'm just gonna wake up and go oh, that was cool, or that wasn't real, or that was a cool dream, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But here we are backstage, <laughs> you having sat through the show, so like, can you confirm it actually did happen? It actually, to the best of my knowledge, okay. it actually did occur. I this, thought so too. This conversation is actually happening as far as I know, so yeah, here, but, I here mean, we that's, are. That's my genuine feeling on it is like, how how did this happen? It, mm-hmm. it it and I consider myself a realist, but it actually makes me question: like, does everything happen for a reason? Is this some sort of strange thing that was inevitable? Mm-hmm. Like having grown up and sort of manifested it, and here I am, decades later, doing it. It just doesn't feel like a reasonable dream to have and then mm-hmm. have come true. Right. You know, which is why as I became older and became an adult, my goal became to just be a full-time magician. Mm-hmm. That to me seemed like an outlandish goal enough. Right. Right? So, yeah, it actually makes me question like, is this all some sort of, is this too much of a coincidence? Yeah. Is this a plan? There's, like, <laughs> there's something to be said for that manifestation. Because right. I, I know in, in your bio and, and in the show, you talk about having a picture of Las Vegas on your wall as, right. a, as, a, as a kid. Like, right. this is where you wanted to end up. Yeah. And only because the magic I was seeing on television and in Lance Burton was one of those magicians who had a, a Lance Burton theater mm-hmm. here in Las Vegas. And uh, I came to see him my first time when I came to Vegas at 12 years old. And that was when I purchased that poster at the gift shop and put it up on my wall when I got home. Um, yeah, it's it's really quite surreal. Now that you're in Vegas, is there anything that really kind of surprised you about the city? I know other entertainers that I've talked to and people that have come here have said they're they're quite surprised at how supportive the entertainment community is in this city as far as um, other cities they've been in, whether it's L.A. or New York. Everybody's very competitive, not so much supportive, whereas here it's it's much more supportive. Yeah, I find that locals support locals in general, um, in and outside of show business, because local is a tourist destination. So I find I, I just love the local vibe that locals take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think there are just a lot of misnomers about Las Vegas, right? Like, I get snow in my backyard. People don't believe that, yeah. you know. Uh, people say, "Oh, you're in Vegas." Like, "Oh, that must be so crazy." And then I have to like go into this explanation of it's not what you think it is and it's it's a really cool local community and a vibe different from what people think of when they think of just the strip alone uh-huh. um, but now to the point where I just I feel like people are kind of glazed over when I try to explain it so now I just I don't even go into it they say that must be crazy everyone's drunk all the time I just go yeah that's it that's uh, I'm drunk, <laughs> drunk right now actually <laughs> hammered um, the, the other thing that I know so many people have said about the city is they're surprised at how uh, charitable the community is and you're heavily involved you've got a lot of different charities that you work with here 
Yeah, uh, you know, I jumped on doing a lot of things with animal charities when I came out here initially. So we've we've do this supply drive each year with uh, the Animal Foundation. Mm-hmm. I have four rescue dogs and one rescue cat at uh-huh. home. That's five rescue pets. So we have a full house. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've done an, uh, a supply drive with Animal Foundation each year. We've raised over $30,000 worth of supplies for them. I've won another $20,000 playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for the NSPCA and also just donated a couple of thousand meals to celebrate our 2,000 shows for Foursquare, a food bank here in Las Vegas. So uh, I feel like it's important to give back. Speaking of that close-knit community vibe, right. um, I enjoy being able to uh, give back to a community that's given to us. After the break, Matt talks about what it's like making the audience a part of his show and what was behind the decision to revamp the show, Magic Reinvented Nightly. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. The show itself, you're coming up on eight years here in Vegas, which is fantastic. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you so much. Um, you just did a big revamp on the show. That's right. Why was now the right time to do that? Well, as I mentioned, I became a dad, pulled off my best trick ever <laughs> on the 6th of January. Uh, so I was going to be spending about a month at home. Mm-hmm. So that seemed like the right time to have my team at the theater working literally around the clock to load everything out and load all the new stuff in. So Mm -hmm. new baby at home, new baby at work, all at the same time. Because why not start an entirely new production right at the same time that you have a newborn. It's you perfect timing to me. It sounds great to me. You yeah. know, maybe I'm a genius. Do you yeah, think it might I, like classify as a genius idea? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> do I, would say I don't so. know. Yeah. I, now, how, how does your spouse feel about that, though? <laughs> That's the big question. No, no, the truth is it's a lot to take on on both fronts. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tiana is such a champion um, on both sides of it. She was there for our reopening night and uh, also uh, being such a, a trooper and champion at home as well. Um, it's a lot to take on, but it was kind of the only way to do it that made sense, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to be taking a month off, it seemed like a great opportunity to load out the show and load in the new stuff that I've sort of been dreaming up for the past who knows how long. So it just seemed like the right time to do it and get it done. Speaking of um, new illusions and mm-hmm. new new tricks, the question that I always have when I talk to to magicians is, I mean, where do you get the inspiration for these illusions? I mean, do you just look at that object on the table and go, huh, I bet I could do something with that? Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've got, I equate it to songwriting. I think it's very much a similar process when I talk to either comedians, even joke mm-hmm. writing or, you know, or, or musician friends, it can come to you when you're driving or in the shower. Inspiration can come from different places, mm-hmm. a scene in a movie or what you see out in nature. It can kind of come from anywhere and no two illusions were devised the same way mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I start with the effect and other times I start with the aesthetic or an idea and build magic around it. Okay. So it really can come from anywhere. I assume you kind of have to work this, not knowing the process on it, I assume you kind of have to work it backwards. Like, like, okay, I want that to appear over there. How do I get it there? And 
how does I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of the process well that's kind of like a, a one the first stage in the process to like if you're talking about the magic itself yeah how to do the trick mm-hmm. is like kind of a, a prerequisite but it's right. not it's not always the part that takes the longest right you know if you're starting with the uh, a trick that you know you want to do sometimes the harder part is finding a framing to make people care okay Right, so a chord progression, just relating it back to something that people kind of might be able to chew on, a chord progression on a guitar might sound great, right? But it might not be enough on its own, Mm -hmm. and you need the lyrics that go with it, and then it just becomes perfect. Well, magic can be the same way, Mm -hmm. where you might have that effect that you want. This thing's going to appear, change into that, but what's the story? What's going to tie it all together? Why does someone care? If you could really do magic, is that something you would do? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. And if the answer is no, maybe explore something else, right? You do a lot of work with um, with audience members. It's very, very interactive at times, which is a lot of fun to see. And I would assume it's a lot of fun to do as well. It is. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, we never know what's going to happen when you bring audience members on stage. And I think that's what keeps it fresh for me. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. And it's not like a... a a type of performance where I'm scolding people in the audience or sort of making fun of them. It's more of a team effort where I'm bringing people up to like be able to be part of the magic and even feel like they're the ones doing the magic themselves. And sometimes I'm bringing up groups of people, you know, where I'll bring up two couples so people kind of know each other. And it just creates such a fun dynamic and an intimate environment where, uh, you kind of can't get with other art forms. So I think it's a little bit unique to what I do, even my genre of magic specifically, which Mm -hmm. is cool. So have you ever had it go horribly wrong? I've had definitely unexpected things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had someone pass out (laughs) on stage (laughs) uh, that I caught. So they didn't hit the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! I mean, listen, I don't know how you follow saving someone's life. I just don't, but I had to. (laughs) Have a good night, everybody. That's it. We're done. Yeah. Um, I've had lots of people show up on stage barefoot. Like, lots. Like, way more than you'd realize. Um, You know what's interesting is we have a lot of repeat customers. Because it's Magic Reinvented Nightly, it Mm -hmm. is a show that you could see multiple times and enjoy multiple times because different things sort of happen uh, based on audience participation. And also the fact that we're always working on new stuff. Um, so, like, I've actually pulled up audience members more than once. Like, they'll come back a year later or a month later and uh-huh. three months later, and I will choose them to come on stage again out of hundreds of people in the audience. Somehow, and, like, I'll pull them up and be like, you pulled me on stage last time. I'll be like, really? It's almost like I'm casting <laughs> in my head, and somehow I've casted this person. It's like, yeah, you're just the person for this. Really it. bizarre, right? One of the parts that I love in the show that you mentioned is the the different types of people that watch magic shows mm-hmm. and, and the people that are just dazzled by it all and the people that are really pissed off by it all. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm one of those people that kind of falls somewhere in the middle, probably mm-hmm. more close to the pissed off by The analytical it. side. Yeah. Let's go with analytical. Yeah, okay, we'll go there. <laughs> I, I'm that person that likes to be in control and it, it always amazes me. I, I remember years ago being at a, a show and I was emceeing a magician show backstage wow. and I watched the girl climb into the box backstage okay. and then later watched her come out of the box and still couldn't figure out how it was done. Oh, right. Yeah. Drives me nuts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I imagine having 
being able to dazzle people and wonder people like that is just that's a lot of fun. It is. You know, it's it's not my fa- my favorite part of it is really being able to convey like an underlying message, right? So mm-hmm. like a movie, like I talk about in the show, special effects in a movie are really spectacular and yeah. cool. But without the story, they're just special effects. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about magic. Without story, without moving the audience with something other than just surprise or wow, it becomes just that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both are equally important which is why I wanted to revamp the production. I really want the production value to fire on the same caliber as the magic, which is hard to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. I love all aspects of magic, whether it be the mystery, the surprise, the fun, or the vehicle for sharing stories. Uh-huh. Getting into magic today, do you think it's easier or more difficult now for people to get in? Just because I know there's so many different platforms out there now for people to to share what they're doing, whether sure. they're on social media and doing that, or they're on YouTube or whatever. Um, is it, is it, does that make it easier or does that make it more difficult? I think it's easier to find mentors easier mm-hmm. with the, the way information is shared. It's easier to find people to help you learn. Mm-hmm. It's easier to find sources to learn from. It's harder to discern which information is, is accurate helpful information Mm -hmm. if somebody's got a a budding magician Mm -hmm. in the family Mm -hmm. um what can they do to really encourage and and foster that talent i think well one word i already said is encourage it Mm -hmm. if if it's something that they really have a knack for and enjoy doing encourage it um magic books are a great way to learn um there are a number of youtube channels people can learn from um, my inspiration growing up, who I mentioned already, Jeff McBride, actually has a McBride Magic and Mystery School, which you don't have to come to Las Vegas to learn from. There are virtual classes and seminars and lots of different things. There's a, a, another one called Tannen's Magic Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of different ways for people to learn, but I think the, the first step is to just take the plunge and, and begin and see how you enjoy it. All it takes is one magic book, and you can learn from that one book for a very very long time so much information is baked in there excellent thank you for uh, for taking time to jump on and, and have the conversation with me again i really do appreciate it my pleasure enjoy your time in vegas and that wraps up another episode of jeff does vegas If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at JeffDoesVegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production.